This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And on today's episode, we have Danielle Ireland. And Danielle is a therapist, but she didn't start out as a therapist. She started out as a ballroom dance instructor. And this is what I, one of the millions of things I love about Danielle is her career has been this exploration of her interests, the curiosity that she's following around, and this inner knowing about what she's supposed to be doing. She's just listening to her heart and her gut, and I love that about her. In today's episode, we talk about pure attraction, and this came up because Danielle had posted something on her social media about this that really got my attention, and I think It got my attention because it felt so connected to the work I'm doing with Stand Tall in Your Story, which is an event that I'm hosting on April 20th live here in Indianapolis and also live at home. You can check the show notes for information and tickets for that. I highly recommend that you get there. It's going to be a magical evening. But the Stand Tall in Your Story event is seven women who have gone through a seven-month experience called Rise and Thrive. And a big part of this journey in their seven months is for them to fall in love with their story and become attracted to their story so that they're so emotionally invested and kind of sucked in to what their inner knowing and their intuition and their wealth of experience is leading them towards that it just pulls them forward into great things. And so when I saw Danielle's post, and I know her therapy background, I know her heart, I thought, oh, we have got to talk about this. So in addition to being a therapist, Danielle has a journal that she's created, a reflection journal called Treasured. And y'all, it is gorgeous. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And let's just jump in with Danielle Ireland. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm great, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, If you go into labor during the podcast, we'll just (laughs) reschedule another time. How's that? Does that sound okay? I actually wonder if, um, if I did go into labor... I, I probably would double down in denial and shock and I'd be like, okay, Rebecca was I'll watch for signs of the look on your face. I'm glad I'm getting to see you while we do this. So you are you're gonna have your a baby in days, weeks, minutes. Mm-hmm. It could be, I could, I mean, I'm a ticking time bomb. You so really it, are. It could literally be any <laughs> moment. Um and it also could be in weeks from now too. So that's right. the fun, the fun surprise right. of it all. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I I think I put this on your Facebook the other day that you're already a great mom. I just know that you're, you're just built for this. This is going to be great. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. So I, speaking of Facebook, the book of faces, the bane of my existence, and also the joy of connecting with my family and friends, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, the place (laughs) (laughs) you posted about attraction. 
-hmm. And you posted about it in a little different way, one that really resonated with me and was like, oh, that's different. I like that. And I'm just going to read it because I think it sets up the conversation that we're about to have. Mm -hmm. It says, no matter what or who, winky, winky, Mm -hmm. attracts you, you'll feel it instantly. What does it feel like? It feels like being pulled in with a hope for more, gripping, like uber gripping, an inability to deny the truth of feeling full attracted to whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you pose the question, when's the last time you felt pure, unfiltered attraction to a person, a thing, a job, or an object? Yeah. I love this, just mm-hmm. feeling that that gives, there's emotion in that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's real. So tell us a little bit about when you were writing that, Mm-hmm. What, what did you want to evoke with that post? Yeah. So I, I, there's probably a lot of different places that it came from, but I would say that my intention or the, the intent I had in, in setting up that post was I really wanted to explore the process of change for myself. And then also to open up a conversation through social media, with my clients, um, with various platforms that I work on, and also having created an online course that is all about, it's called the Unleashing You Relationship Course. And it's really about helping us become more intimately and better acquainted with, with the relationship we have with ourselves and using the relationships that we have with other things, whether it's people, like romantic relationships, intimate relationships, friendships, but also how we relate to things. Um, to better understand ourselves. And so in wanting to set up the change process, what really got me thinking was, well, what comes before that? Like before we even realize we need or want something else or more, what comes before that? And for me, that sparked that catalyst is attraction. Mm -hmm. So in what I love about, what I love in talking about attraction is that it's usually visceral, right? It's kinetic, it's physical. it's, It's one of those, elusive, hard to explain, hard to articulate, which I almost enjoy exploring those things more because I'm such a wordy person, but it's an experience that you have that when you feel it is undeniable, though that doesn't mean we don't try to deny it, avoid it, run from it, procrastinate, numb it, stuff it, talk ourselves out of it, right? It, it, it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make the choices that we make after words easy or acting on that attraction are knowing easy. But I think the more, the more aware, the more I talk about, the more language I have, the more context I have, the more support I have around honoring what I feel when I feel that spark, it helps me either get more curious or it helps me trust myself more. So it's usually one of those two. Which are fundamental in living what I call a thriving life versus a striving life, right? Mm. And so I, that's why I really resonated with it, I think too, because I, like you, am trying to help guide my clients to a place where they can fall in love with their own story. Mm-hmm. And as I read your post, I thought, that's it. Because when you're in a, a career where there are aspects of it that you love, and it doesn't mean that all of it might be that, sure. but, but you know that you are meant to be doing it and you're good at it and you're wired for it. I think that's a beautiful way to have a career that you're attracted to. 
Yeah. And I think attraction builds momentum too. It leads to desire. Cause I think so often the conversations that I have with clients are when a new client starts working with me for the first time, it's really focusing on pain management. So I'm in some level of discomfort. My life isn't going the way that I want it to go. And what I like about talking about attraction is that it feels like, unlike going back into your past and kind of unearthing and kind of unlocking key insights and looking at family of origin and looking, you know, I mean, all of that work is meaningful and important and certainly has its place. But I also, having, you know, worked with clients in a therapeutic space for so long, I also, I think my heart was looking for, well, okay, how can we have a similar conversation or I'd say as meaningful of a conversation as all the healing that we want to do, but also when it comes to building a life we want to build, um, what gets us down that trajectory? And what I find too, is that a lot of times when we do look back at that history, when we do, you know, go back and talk about childhood, talk about heartache, talk about heartbreak or crisis or trauma or, you know, abuse, whatever it may be, at some point, there seems to be a, a fork in the road moment where someone had an inner knowing, an inner longing, an inner calling, a whisper that said, hey, there's something here you need to look at. And for whatever reason, for one reason or another, which is usually what brings them into therapy, they say, nope, and they go the other way. And it could be a desire to people please, to not disappoint, um, for fear of what consequences, fear of lack of worthiness, lack of ability, like whatever that negative self-talk right. is. And I can certainly look back on my own life with that type of hindsight and see, oh, <laughs> yep, I went left when I should have gone right. Yeah. And not should as in a shamey way, but there was something I knew that I wasn't acknowledging. There was something yeah. that someone was, like quality that someone was revealing to me early on that I just wasn't present with. And, and or there was something really speaking to me that I was really interested in that for one reason or another, I didn't know how to act on, honor, follow. And so I did this other thing instead. And so for me, attraction felt like a different way, like a more forward focused way. That's what I was just going to say. It's forward focused. It's, it's vision. It's, it's tied to heart. And I, I love the inner knowing. I, I use that as well. I think it's a, a, not used enough in traditional career conversations. Sure. Um, and, and I think we don't tap in, we don't tap into the inner knowing, but we also fight it because we've been prepared for life through an education that's all about external validation and not enough about our own imagination, intuition, and and sense of knowing, right? So it's hard to grade sense of knowing. You don't you don't get to the head of the class with sense of knowing. In, I love that. In, in fact, one of my old uh, bosses, um, I can remember me saying, well, hey, I just don't have a good gut feel about that, a client he was trying to give me. And he basically said, that's not how we make decisions around here. And it, it was not meant to be as harsh as it sounds for me telling it now, but that was such a juxtaposition because the CEO that I had had previously was all about intuition. We interviewed people and it was, we placed people in jobs and he would say to us in our early training, never go against your gut. If the person's resume looks like it fits, but you get in the room and you're interviewing and you go, mm -mm, that's not it. Don't do it. And every time I did, 
it didn't go well. And so I learned to trust my intuition and my gut and my inner knowing as a business tool and strategy, but it's not always honored everywhere. <laughs> well, and, and for me, I think that there, there are some really interesting, as I, you know, become more and more interested in this topic, there are really interesting ways you can interpret this. So one is always trust yourself, always trust your gut and listen to that instinct. So there's um, a book called the gift of fear. It's an older book. I think it was, I think it came out in the early, early eighties, but it was basically, this was the guy that made the phrase popular on the Oprah Winfrey show, you know, never let them take you to the secondary location. If you ever, if you've ever heard of that. So he wrote this book. He, I, and I don't remember the exact trajectory of his career, but he's worked in law enforcement for years and years and years. And I tried reading the book it actually because it talked about real cases was a little triggering for me because it involved a lot about assault. So I just want to preface that for any listener. If you're interested in it, great. It's a really powerful resource. You could also probably get a sense of the point of that book or his work if you can find the Oprah Winfrey episode and just watch, <laughs> just watch, watch the interview <laughs> if you don't want to read the book. The Cliff Notes version, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was how I, that's where I stopped. But Basically what he said was that for every woman who was assaulted or attacked that survived. So that meant he was actually able to talk to them afterwards at every point. And he said this in a way that felt so in support of honor and trust yourself, not at all shifting blame to the women. I just want to be really clear about that. But what he basically said was that at every point, as the women were telling their stories or sharing their experiences, there wasn't an instant where they felt no get away run something like something told them all this isn't right this person isn't right and for fear of not being seen as nice being rude being bitchy being right all of the all of the language has been used to gaslight women right for one reason or another they didn't honor that instinct And he was not saying in any way, shape or form, it was their fault, but there's plenty of evidence and, and even more so to support that side of things too. Recently, I've started really becoming more interested in Malcolm Gladwell's work. Mm -hmm. And there's a book that he came out recently. I think his most recent work is called talking to strangers. And he's talking about implicit bias and explicit bias. Um, a lot, a lot to do with what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement. And so what's interesting in his research is that people will mistakenly, in this case, he's talking about, you know, the police pulling someone over and making assumptions based on skin color. And so what can be hard to know is, is this my gut? Is this bias? Is this conditioning? Mm. And so I think there are a lot of factors to consider with this, but as it relates to attraction, for me, what it opens up is curiosity. And that's, I think, more so than telling anybody what to do with their attraction or how to respond to their attraction or desire or longing. Because usually I think what really, there's something about what I see that appeals to me. There's something about what I see that is off-putting, mm-hmm. right? What, whatever it is that's grabbing my attention, because sometimes the thing that grabs my attention is not always, you know, that sexy, lovey, sparkly attraction. It's also like, oh, that's so awful, but I can't stop staring at it. (laughs) Or or even like gossip or criticism, judgment. Mm -hmm. That can also be a different form of attraction because I can't get off of dumping on whatever this thing is. Yeah. Um, But when 
when it's got its hook in me, I, what I try to do or what I, the process I'm trying to create for myself is getting curious about, oh, what is this? What's it revealing to me? What does this mean? And it could be, you know, there's a, a bias I need to explore or an insecurity that this is revealing or healing that I haven't fully acknowledged that right. might be worth taking to the next step. And it can also reveal this is an instinct that I can't deny that I have to follow. So I don't always know the, the result of what that attraction is, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a place to start an, a conversation with myself for sure. I love that. And just kind of peel the layers back and see what's, what's in there. Um, and I think it, from a therapy perspective, it could really help you unpack some of those, um, inner voices that we have grown to accept as our own, but we're, we're, we're not our own, but we're placed within us. Right. Um, I'm starting to do some work in the last couple of weeks with my coach and just with my, my daily talk with myself and God uh, Mm -hmm. about affirmation and what that means to feed your subconscious with a sense of your own inner knowing that you can tap into Mm -hmm. because I didn't grow up in a family that was, we were just a hardworking farm family and you, and and the way you loved each other was to tell them to get their ass back to work. I mean, (laughs) there wasn't a lot of good job. Like that just wasn't a thing. And so I realized that I had become I had begun to deflect compliments and deflect affirming comments. And when I do it with, I'm sure you get this too, right? With yourself, I can do great things with my clients, but I'm uh, sometimes with myself, I have to stop and go, oh, wait, because I'm always saying to my clients, well, what do people compliment you on? That's a sign of what you're good at. And I realized that when people complimented me, it made me uncomfortable. And I thought that's, I can't do that because that's, those compliments are meant to inform me and my subconscious when I need it later to borrow that confidence from that. Right. And so it's, it's this curiosity. That's what led me to this place of doing Mm -hmm. this work. And I've only been working on it for about a week and it's making significant differences in my life. But because I was curious, I just asked myself, why do I feel uncomfortable when people give me compliments? And I just started to follow that thought around in my own head, in my journal for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, well, what's that going to get me or not get me if I continue to do that? Like, that's the kind of curiosity with yourself that I think is so powerful. It, it really, I mean, it really, really is. And I think that's such, and to, to never lose that curiosity, that's, because the, the work, and I use air quotes with this, the work is never done. Um, and I, I'm trying to find a better word than work, especially because I find like with, with, you know, the, whether I'm, you know, working with a couple or with an individual, there's, I think a lot of, there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of attachment to what work means and what that looks like. And so, you know, I know marriages are work and relationships are work and we got to work hard. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, hustle, grind, work, work, work. There's, there's so much attached to that. And, and I think it what's, I think maybe in particular why I'm more curious about wanting to find a different way to navigate where I fit in that space too, is that 
so much of my identity. I had no idea how much, but being pregnant and actually wanting to conceive, you know, I was pregnant a year and a half ago and I lost that pregnancy. And so then being on this fertility journey and now, you know, I'm literally bursting with child. <laughs> you know, literally. I'm, I'm literally, yes. <laughs> yes. Like nearly crowning on your show. Exactly. Like, I, yes. So I'm, and, and realizing, um, you know, I, it, it took these life events and also my desire for what I wanted to make. And it, it just, it's making me confront, or I should say it's inviting me to confront all of the ways I used to define myself and my worth. And I had no idea how much of that was attributed to what I produce or how much I earn or how many people I impact or how many people know about what I do, like how seen I feel I was, how accepted I felt I was, but it had like being seen as someone who works hard was a big, big part of that identity. And by nature of what my body needed, the type of healing my body needed, the type of space I needed to grieve, and then also to navigate all the changes that these last nine months have brought. It's just, it really, um, it's really made me challenge mm -hmm. a lot of those limiting beliefs that I didn't, I didn't even know that I had, and that I would even go as far as to say that I was proud of. I mean, cause that's, that's a big part of the narrative of my family working hard, you know, <laughs> working through sick days, you know, you're never sick. Um, it, and again, there is a, there is certain, certainly value to work ethic and that, but I think what I like about approaching even something that was intended well, that was modeled for me with love through my own family, I get approaching it with curiosity helps me not get locked into judgment or criticism because it's, <sighs> I don't need to judge what was right for someone else in their life in order for me to make a different choice. But for me, curiosity feels like choice. Absolutely. I use a framework with my clients called business is human, where we mm. just have two col columns. One is the business needs are to control, measure, and optimize. That's what a business should and, 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 and does, mm -hmm. should do and does. Uh, humans are personal, emotional, and social. So the needs are very different, but if we can learn how to combine those needs in a beautiful way, everybody wins. And what you're describing is the way that the industrial age of work manifested then into the way we've educated. It's, we, we are locked into this control measure optimize as a, as a measure of our humanity and our own success in, especially for us career professionals. And what you've done is you've switched over to the human side and said, I care so much about creating this life that I want so much that I'm not willing to do that anymore because I'm going to nurture and I'm going to feed my soul and my body and my spirit to make sure that I can be a healthy, healthy mom. And that's, we can do that every day in really challenging careers. Once we know the difference, they're not, yeah. it's, it's, we got to have both. We just can't confuse the two. You know, I love how you broke both down. I've not heard that before And it. And it, yeah, it's really good. It's really good, Rebecca. So i need to have that written down somewhere. Well, it's the book's really coming out in some time. <gasps> in the, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. for you. Just, yay, yay, yay. just finishing it up. Well, I'm excited to learn from you and quote you and all of that fun mm, stuff. I it, love you, girl. Ah, that's so exciting. Congratulations. Prima, early, early congratulations. I mean, because you need to be congratulations. And I was going to say, congratulations. I receive it because it's been a 
I hate to use the word labor of love while you're sitting there about to go into labor because I shouldn't compare my book to your baby, but you've also delivered, you've also delivered <laughs> your own baby, delivered so a couple of them too, but so yeah, you, it really is. It's been, a, it's been a lot of, um, love, which yeah. sometimes love is a struggle too. So thank you for saying, I receive it. I receive that compliment. Good. Well, you, I, I, I'm so glad you do. And, and I will say that, um, that shift I don't know, like, I think it took, and this is why talking about attraction, why I love talking about attraction is that in my case, shifting from the career focus, grinding, hustling entrepreneur space to letting myself accept and acknowledge that I also have this other aspect to me too, that didn't come purely out of attraction. That large, that knowing largely came out of grief. Mm. So, I mean, had, I think I was so afraid to acknowledge to myself that I wanted this. Um, and it took losing the first pregnancy for me, unfortunately, it took that loss in to realize how much I really, really wanted it. Mm. And so I think that attraction is certainly a more enjoyable experience. Um, and it's more, I don't want to have to wait for life to knock me upside the head. I'd love to be a more active, gracious, and generous participant in my life and my learning right. than have to get knocked upside the head to really wake up to my own truths. And so not to say, I mean, I, I do think sometimes life does present you with big lessons um, or through your own actions and choices. And I mean, inevitably the truth is revealed. I think it doesn't, it, it, who knows when, who knows where. <laughs> Um, inevitably the truth is revealed. And I mean, definitely working couples through a fair recovery has taught me that like inevitably the truth will always be revealed, either the truth of the experience or the truth of how you feel about it. Um, and in that one part of my story, it took loss and the lesson and the value I hope to continue taking from that is how can I continue to be more curious about myself, curious about my experiences curious about what I'm feeling and then what it would it look like for me to honor and act on that knowing moment to moment to moment um, because it's just a bunch of little decisions that ultimately lead to to something bigger and what's what's wild Rebecca what's so wild is I was so terrified truly and and I, I can admit this now because I mean again she's about to she's about to arrive so there's no backing out now but the, the way that I thought motherhood would look five years ago when I was trying to you know I was rushing through getting through the end of my master's because I, I realized that I I started to have the internal dialogue I think I want to become a mother around the same time I realized this career shift I wanted to make and then I what really jump-started my anxiety was oh, I'm like I'm in my early 30s and eggs and biological clock and oh my god oh my god so I was trying to build a business and also get to the finish line as quickly as possible to then feel secure which is insane right that's the control measure optimize we we have mm -hmm. an infatuation with time yeah that, that oh, that's yeah. that's the measurement that all things should should come by and yep. it, it's a real struggle I totally get that I had a very conditional view on what I needed to have set in place before I could also pursue this other aspect of my life. I thought, okay, I just have to get my career set. I mean, think about 
think about the delusion of what I just acknowledged. I have to get my career set and locked in place before I can also do this other thing. Oh my word. It's so comical. I was in a a big corporate career when I was got pregnant with my first with Cameron and because I had had some endometriosis and some different things my doctor said to me hey it's could take you up to a year to conceive keep that in mind as you you all are planning blah 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 Mm -hmm. well we had gotten married I was no spring chicken and so we said okay if it's going to take us a year then we should probably go ahead and and um think about this so Mm -hmm. I got pregnant in six weeks. <laughs> it was not in my planner, Danielle. It was not in my planner. I like you. I had a career. I had my Franklin planner. I had a plan. And I had thought a year. Okay, wait, if it's seven months, six freaking weeks. <laughs> and I was in such denial because it oh. uh, same thing. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But you can't back up. I'm like all okay here we go yeah but I was I was cranky about it at first yeah well because you're like that wasn't my plan I did I said to my doctor this is not in my planner I'm not very happy with you you gave me bad advice mm-hmm. this is your fault <laughs> it's doctor. all his fault your fault no, Dr. I, Miller I remember oh, I just um I really thought that I needed to you know get through my clinical hours get my clinical exam behind me and then I would feel ready. And it, it, there was always, and there was always another condition. I needed to really establish myself as a speaker. I really need to establish myself in my podcast. I really like, it was just one more thing because I think the, the fear-based belief I was holding on to was that I would lose myself completely in motherhood. I think that was the fear I wasn't acknowledging was that I was so afraid that this child would come into my life and everything that was unique about me and that was mine would just explode mm. or just like melt away. And so <laughs> it, it wasn't um, until the, you know, the sweet life that, that I did get to share 12 weeks with that, that ultimately, um, you know, didn't carry through to term in that grief, the gift in that grief was that for the first time that I can remember, probably since I was a child, the ego was silent. Mm-hmm. My anxiety shut the F up mm-hmm. and it was still, it was quiet in my head, not numb. It wasn't quiet because of wine. It wasn't quiet because of white claw. Um, it, it was still, and it was just so the, the word I'm going to use is peaceful, but it was also painful, but it was peaceful in my head. And it, I realized whoa, 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 whoa. And I pumped the brakes hard on everything, wiped myself of all expectation, social, relational obligation. I just stopped performing probably for the first time since I was 11. Because I was a, I was a little performer from such an early age. And I didn't realize that I was performing so many ways in my life. And grief gave me an invitation to be like, you want to step out of this bullshit? And I was like, yep, 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 I do. That's what the Bible calls us, a peace that surpasses understanding that in a time of such turmoil and hurt that you could experience something so beautiful is God's gift. Mm, it was. And I, again, it's certainly, um, I, I, I really hesitate to say that I'm grateful for that because it, certainly I, I'm not grateful that I lost 
that first life. I'm, I am grateful and proud that I, that that experience, I let that experience change me, that I let it affect me. Um, And for that, I am eternally grateful because I know that, I mean, believe me, the ego is back the head shatters all back. Right. I didn't, that piece probably. That's the hard part is it does. It does. It's a constant. Oh yeah. It's yeah. We're all familiar with it. Yeah. But you can call, you can can go back to it and know it's possible. Yes. And I also, and I, I felt, I don't know if, I don't know if I, if it's really something I thought through, but I could feel the difference between that stillness and the noise. It gave me enough like cognitive Mm -hmm. dissonance it gave Mm -hmm. me enough space right to be able to question that confusion um and that and that's something I'm constantly revisiting constant 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 but what not but and Mm -hmm. what you're describing is available to all of us to question and to wonder and to dig deeper and my biggest concern for my clients and especially for high achieving career women is the frenetic pace of busy. We bury all of the ability to do that under a life that's constricted by time and busy and I got to get caught up and caught up isn't a place. Um, <laughs> oh it's, just, <laughs> it's just not, um, there's, it's not a thing. And if we don't in infuse our daily lives with a few moments of stillness to wonder and question and know ourselves and even let God speak into that sometimes mm-hmm. or oftentimes if you can, I, I, I'm concerned. I, I've had another uh, great um, business friend like you, Eliza Kingsford, who gets behind the neuroscience of our health and, mm. and things. And she did a session in our badass masterclass, a monthly subscription that I have, where she broke down what happens when we're in decision fatigue and what happened to us in 2020 as, as working women and mm. how we have normalized stress to the point if we don't infuse stillness there, you, you don't recover from that. Like it's that critical. Like we've, we've got to get there. So all this is so tied together. Isn't it always fascinating when we, when you talk about these things, you were off doing great work with your clients. I'm doing great work with my clients. And then we come together and it's just like this uh, explosion of excitement. I get that we're having very similar conversations because we care so deeply about people's lives. I think that shows one, how needed conversations like this are I mean I, I there's a name for that this there's like a phenomenon in science where like scientific discoveries are happening in different parts of the world at the same moment I don't remember what it's called oh the butterfly um, effect is that it maybe Ish, maybe, maybe. I, uh, but I it's it, this idea I mean because we haven't spoken in a year yeah like, I mean we haven't spoken in a year right um and so you know how do you explain that well either it's because we're curious about the same things. We're exploring the same things. We're working maybe with, you know, similar populations. The problems are present enough that we're having right. similar, com- but, but, but still there's also, I, I do agree on that synchronicity, that sort of yeah. unexplainable magic of, of all of that. And, and again, to bring it, to bring it back to attraction, I think that um, what, what I love about looking at attraction, desire, values is that the imagination and that longing it's speaking to us all the time it's just a softer 
it's just a softer voice than the voice of pain, our internal critic, because I mean, our, our beautiful brains, and I would love to talk to your neuroscientist friend. I'm sure she could totally I will connect on- you to on Instagram, especially because I think you'll both appreciate each other's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm very much feeler perceiver and, and I'm sure it's like, I would love to hear what she has to say grounded in what she understands about the brain far more than I do. But That's why I love her. Cause she gives me that too. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. But, um, you know, our brains are essentially from what I understand, they are so hardwired to manage, protect, and keep us safe from pain. That's why comfort, comfort zones, routine, and predictability feel so safe. That's why comfort food is an actual thing. Like she talks about that in the session that we did. Like, yes, completely, completely. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why we call it comfort zones and growing pains because change is hard. And, but I think again, what what I've really grown to develop a passion for is understanding the difference between the pain and fear we actually need to honor, like a predator, a grizzly bear versus, you know, standing up in front of a group and declaring myself as, you know, a person with hopes and dreams or, you know, public speaking, that level of panic is very different than grizzly bear attack, but our beautiful brains don't always know the difference. And I think from a career discussion perspective, this is really important because we use the word fear inappropriately all the time. We're getting ready to have our Stand Tall in Your Story event on April 20th, which is the women of Rise and Thrive who are going to stand on stage and deliver a seven-minute TED Talk, TED-like talk, excuse me, that um, is evoking a ton of what I'm, I'm sure, make sure they call uncertainty because it's only fear if there's a tiger on stage or a tornado's coming, right? <laughs> and if that's not the case, really, it's just the uncertainty of I don't know if this is going to go okay. And I feel really vulnerable and uncomfortable. Yes. And the reason I designed this experience was to step into that discomfort because on the mm-hmm. other side of it is this magical place of feeling more confident. And and most importantly, that somebody in that audience needs to hear what they have to say and getting them past the uncertainty and the discomfort is where connection happens too. Well, not only connection, but I, I think that that is where true esteem is built. Mm. It's, it's not actually, cause it's not, I love that. Um, complete is not, is it, what do you say? Complete is not a destination. Caught up is in a place. Caught up, caught up is in a place. Okay, that's so good. Um, Caught up is in a place. And I think that too, we never really arrive in confidence. Like we don't arrive to self-esteem. What I I have found, and this this may be me acknowledging my own bias through my own experience, but I, I really, I have a hypothesis that I'm, I'm still, I'm pretty sure that this is true in other people's experiences too, that what part of why I love talking about process versus destination is that what I, my confidence in myself is not in my ability to complete a task like I thought it was, um, nor do I find any relief in the completion because what I have found about myself is I'm already 10 steps ahead of the next thing that by the time I've, I've already done all the things I said I was going to do, no celebration, no confetti poppers, no champagne, because I'm 10 steps ahead. And so, aggravated that you feel behind for the 10 steps that you, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Oh yeah. 1,000 million trillion percent. Yep. But that in the process, what I, my confidence and esteem have really come from knowing and trusting in my own ability to handle challenge. And so it's not, it's, so the, the whole thing about like uncertainty and challenge versus fear Um, I really try to help remind my clients and myself over and over that 
the process of change will always be the process of change. There will always be an element of discomfort, not necessarily pain. And it may be the, like the amount of discomfort that it, you feel when you're doing a little bit of stretching, right? So it's manageable discomfort, but right. it's discomfort. Like stretching and hot yoga for me is different than a 90 minute massage, right? There's right. a different, right. it's just a different thing. Right. Um, but what I'm learning to really trust is in my own ability mm-hmm. to, to face it or to acknowledge it or to step into it. And if I can honor that as part of the process, then it doesn't have to stop me, shut me down, paralyze me, or make me want to run for the hills like, like it has done in the past, activating all my fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I do, I just am in awe of the fact that we are talking about such similar things and we haven't seen each other in a year other than, you know, on the book of faces and the Instagrams of the world. Social media. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love you so much. I love you. This was, I love talking about this. It just gets me so excited and same. I've already got two or three things that I'm going to write down for, for future episodes. So once once you get, once you get that baby out into the world, maybe we can just, you know, Bring her on the podcast. In her. <laughs> um, I would love that. I would love that. Uh, and I would also love to have you on Don't Cut Your Own Bangs. I think please. that my listeners would love to hear. From, I mean, because I think that the best things bear repeating, right? Like I love Elizabeth Gilbert. I love Renee Brown. I love Glennon Doyle. I love Oprah. I love Marie Forleo, right? It's like, but, and they all talk about sometimes similar things, yeah. but yet they're so unique because it's, it's coming through the filter of them which is makes it different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Consider me confirmed. Yes. Yes. I would love to do it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being you. Thank you. World needs you. Thank you. I will graciously accept that. Thank you. (laughs) I'm not coming down. Oh my gosh. Is she not just the most amazing human? Okay, so go follow all the links in the show notes so you can check out Danielle and all of the amazing things that she's doing. Check out the Stand Tall in Your Story event. Y'all, I'm not kidding. So in the link, you can watch the stories from last year to get a sense of what this event is all about. And I would love for you to be there live if you are in Indianapolis. But if you're somewhere else in the world and you want to jump in for the live at home experience, here's the deal. It's not some boring snooze Zoom meeting. It is a trademarked storybook platform with my partners from Cantaloupe TV. And it will be engaging and fun. I promise. All right, y'all. Until next time, make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never left it on the ground. I'm not coming down.